Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Kaya Henderson, the CEO of Reconstruction, a technology company that situates black people, culture, and contributions in an authentic, identity-affirming way for K-12 students. Kaya has served as Chancellor of D.C. Public Schools from 2010 to 2016. She has taught middle school in the South Bronx. She led Teach for America in the D.C. region. And most recently, she led the Global Learning Lab for Community Impact at Teach for All. Welcome, Kaya. We are so glad that you're here. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. So let's start with the name of your new organization, which we're assuming is no accident. (laughs) After the Civil War, Reconstruction was, in some ways, a time of promise and progress for Black people in the United States, and it was led by Black people. So the word carries a lot of historical heft. Can you tell us about the significance of the name as it relates to your work in this organization? Sure, you're right. There was no accident in choosing the name Reconstruction. We were thoughtful about this particular moment in history where after the nation had been torn apart by civil war and racial division, the reconstruction period was our country's attempt to create a deliberate plan to knit itself back together. And it was depending on how you count it, historians say anywhere from 12 to 14 years, 1863 to 1877-ish, um, there was a lot of activity going on with the no longer enslaved people. Black people owned 14% of all farms in the United States and thousands of small businesses. We started 37 HBCUs in this 12 to 14 year period and over 5,000 community schools. The majority of elected officials in places like South Carolina were black. More than 2,000 Blacks held office, political office. Our first senators to the United States Senate were elected during Reconstruction. And it was a time where this politically mobilized Black community, joined by white allies, redefined how whites and newly freed Black people would live, work, and govern together. We thought that the parallels to where we are now were pretty striking, right? Yes, racial inequality permeates nearly every aspect of American life, and we can't rely on the previous system to deliver us. We wanted to think about how we, a mobilized Black community joined by white allies, redefine how we live and work together this go-round. And so we decided to create a platform to uplift the Black community to empower ourselves in the midst of what sometimes feels like seemingly insurmountable challenges. And so that's why we chose Reconstruction. We wanted to hearken back to a time of Black success in America, of Black excellence in America, um, a time where we created banks and insurance companies, where we took care of our poor people, where we educated ourselves, where we weren't reliant on anybody else to do that for ourselves. And it's no accident that your instructors in your work are called Reconstructors. Um, You talk about not only hearkening back to a particular moment, but you're definitely pursuing a different present and future for our young people, aren't you? Yes, it's a play on words. Um, At the same time that we are 
connecting to the historical period of reconstruction. We also think that this is an opportunity to rebuild the black community, to rebuild the social fabric that in many places have been frayed. When we do our work, we're doing it with community institutions, with community organizations, with students and families. Um, we call our tutors, our teachers, reconstructors, because they're helping to rebuild a positive identity for the young people who take our courses. And so this idea of rebuilding and empowerment really permeate everything that we do. So Reconstruction is a tech company. You've got more than a dozen online courses already, more than a thousand students signed up, geared toward learners as young as four, all the way up through high school and even beyond. Common to all of them is that each course contains so much more than the topic itself. So the digits course covers numbers, but it also relates numbers to the accomplishments of black astronauts. A class about oratory centers West African griots. It's cultural relevance to be sure, but to call it just that would be to sell these courses short. Can you tell us more about this pedagogy of going beyond the facts, beyond, say, the mere mechanics of a math problem, and instead situating learning within a broader context? Why is that so important? I mean, Ryan, you have sat in many a classroom where a kid said, why are we learning this, right? <laughs> relevance, <Yep>. and <laughs> relevance is a huge issue. And what we wanted to do, I mean, we think of this as Hebrew school for black kids or Chinese school for black kids. You know, there are different ethnicities actually have Saturday academies or Sunday academies where they are intentional about the identity and cultural and historical development of their students. That's what we're trying to do here at Reconstruction. And the way you build identity, the way you teach history and culture is by connecting it and making it relevant. So it's one thing to teach math. Why are we learning this? Because, you know, school says we have to learn it. But it's different when there's a problem in the black community and the only way that you can solve it is by using math. So we're able to say to fifth graders who should be learning estimation, let's talk about the Black Panther Party breakfast program, which many people know about the Black Panther Party's political activities, but they don't know that the Panthers started the first free breakfast programs in the United States for poor people. That later led to the U.S. government expanding radically their free breakfast program. But let's say you're the director of this free breakfast program site and there are, you know, 500 kids in your community, 200 are registered for your program. How many chairs do you need? How many meals do you need? What happens if more kids show up? What happens if fewer kids show up? If that's the problem that you're trying to solve, using math becomes very different, right? You're not just learning abstract concepts, you're learning how to solve problems on issues and for a community that matters to you. When you're learning math and you're reading about black astronauts, it creates a, a sense of possibility about who you can be. Nobody's talking about black astronauts in most schools, but when you're learning about math through learning about people who have used math in these kinds of ways, you get to see yourself and then believe something different about yourself. So this is really important to us. We're not just teaching facts. We're teaching positive identity. We're teaching accurate history. We are teaching problem solving and leadership skills. And we believe that actually this is what schools should be doing, right? Weaving all of these things together. We have decoupled all of these things so that kids don't even understand 
why they're learning what they're learning and they don't know how to apply it in other situations. And we are trying to teach in a way that combats that. There's a famous quote by Dr. Carter Woodson that says, those who have no record of what their forebears have accomplished lose the inspiration which comes from the teaching of biography and history. And I think you could add any number of subjects to that quote. And I, I know reconstruction is new, but I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to how students have been reacting so far, what that inspiration looks like. So one of the things that we are most proud of is our student satisfaction scores. Our students report on a scale of one to five that they enjoy reconstruction at a level of 4.83. You know, we're a tech company, but we don't have a lot of bells and whistles. It's really about the important curriculum, conversations amongst young people and led by a tutor who looks like and comes from the community that these young people come from. And in fact, what our kids say is, these are issues that are important to me. These are conversations that we're not having in school. These are people that I never heard about that look like me. These are people who come from communities like I come from. How come we haven't learned this in school? And what could I be if I actually knew that there were Black astronauts or if I knew that there were Black entrepreneurs or Black inventors or Black senators back in the 1800s? You've heard the expression, you can't be what you can't see. And so we are trying to take Dr. Woodson's admonition and make sure that these young people understand where they come from. The narrative in this country about Black people is that our history starts with slavery and ends in civil rights. And it doesn't actually take into account the fact that we come from a continent where we built universities, where we built civilizations, where you know we built kingdoms, and in fact, took those skills and experiences that we had in Africa and brought them with us as we were taken from our homeland and used those skills then to build this country, right? Instead of talking about Black people being lazy and working for other people, we want to reframe this around the fact that we came to a completely different place with a completely different climate and took our agricultural skills and took our intellect and applied them to a different situation. That's resilience. That's innovation, right? That in fact, we knew more about child rearing. We knew more about architecture. We knew more about, <laughs> about industry than the very people who owned us. And so we actually created economies here in the United States when we had no power. And that asset-based conversation about our history in the United States really turns things on their heads for our young people who have been fed a steady dose of negativity about African-Americans. Kaya, you've presented a brilliant vision of education where kids deeply feel relevance where they are celebrated for who they are. You yourself are a remarkable public educator. You've been a teacher. You've led a public school system. You set up this work as a technology company where schools aren't necessarily the primary audience. Can you tell us a little bit about how and why you set up Reconstruction as you did? Sure. It's a little ironic that <laughs> that I ran a public school system uh, for 10 years and decided to do something outside of the public school system. Uh, a couple of clear reasons for that. Number one, 
Poor schools. We asked schools in 180 days with seven and a half hours a day to teach a gazillion different things. And I just believe that schools are over capacity in terms of what we're asking them to do. I didn't want this work to be shoehorned into the 28 Days of Black History Month or, you know, competing with all of the other things that schools are asked to do. I also didn't want to run around and chase 50 different state standards. Every state says you got to teach this differently than that, differently than other. And I and I also didn't want the government to be the arbiter of what we're teaching our young people. Learning heavily from, you know, other cultures that have said, this is what we want to teach our kids. This is how we want to teach our kids. This is how much time we want to spend. So we're going to do that on our own terms. That's really the reason why we decided to be what we call proudly supplemental. We complement the work that is going on in schools. In some cases, we even replicate some of the work that's going on in schools, although we go out of our way to say we are not school. We want to feel differently. We know so many of our young people have traumatic experiences in school. Schools are not happy places for a lot of kids. Schools are not fun. Schools are not interesting. And of course, there are always schools and classes that are. But writ large, a lot of our young people have negative experiences. And we wanted this space to feel differently. We wanted to have people teaching who really believe in these young people and who have a sense of possibility. And unfortunately, that's not always the case in any traditional charter, parochial, private, in in schooling, period. We select tutors who have a tremendous sense of possibility, who are motivators, who are encouragers of our young people. We want to create the yes, you can space. And far too often, our kids are told the zillion reasons why they can't. And so we wanted to put this curriculum, we wanted to put it in the hands of people who actually know about and believe in the potential of these young people and would do whatever it takes to help them climb the mountains that they need to climb to be the leaders that we want them to be. This is Remaking Tomorrow. I'm Greg Baer along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Kaya Henderson, the CEO of Reconstruction. Kaya, you write on the Reconstruction website, it's the way we were taught as children and it's the way we teach our children. Can you tell us more about that mindset behind Reconstruction? Sure. I think one of the things that I experienced as a young person was a deep, deep connection to my community. School was school, and we did lots of cool and interesting things in school. I happened to go to great public schools who were incredibly affirming and diverse. And I know that's not everybody's experience, but I went to great public schools. And yet, and still, I had a church community where I learned a bunch of things that were different than what I learned in school. I had my Girl Scout troop. We had uh, the NAACP that we were members of. We were part of a large extended family where we spent a lot of time with the aunties and the uncles, which is where I learned how to play spades and where I learned how to cook baked macaroni and cheese, right? There was a social fabric to my blackness that school was not really a part of. And that grew me up as much as school grew me up or as much as you know any other official institution did. And when I think about myself and my partner, Dr. Roland Fryer out of Harvard, when we think about how we are raising our kids, 
It is in deep connection to our community. It is going to, you know, Black History Month celebrations during the month of February and beyond because they actually happen all through the year in the Black community. It is church, right? And, And having a deep faith connection. It is connection to the civic institutions and connections to our extended families. That's the way we grew up and that's the way we're trying to raise our children. At the same time, we're looking across the Black community and seeing that that social network is frayed. There are fewer of us who attend church regularly. There are fewer of us who are members in our civic institutions. There are fewer of us who go to the family reunion and are spending time with the aunties and the uncles. And so you have a generation of kids who don't know how to play spades. And if you ask any black person, any black parent, my generation or beyond, it is a travesty if you send your kid to college and they don't know how to play spades. (laughs) During the global pandemic, right? Mr. and Mrs. Obama were teaching the girls how to play spades because that is part of who we are. And there's no place to learn that now. And so you know, the question that we kept asking ourselves is who's minding the cultural store for Black people? We have a tradition of educating ourselves from citizenship schools right after emancipation through to freedom schools during civil rights and beyond. And we wanted to reclaim that tradition of educating ourselves and rebuilding that social fabric because that's the way we were brought up and that's the way we're raising our kids. And what I would say at DCPS all the times, DC public schools, I would say whatever I want for my kids, that's what I want for all kids because I think we want the very best for our own kids. And sometimes we want different things for other kids. And so I feel like I'm holding myself to the right standards if I'm providing for other people's kids what I would want for my own. You've called Reconstruction a proudly supplemental curriculum, but you're also setting an example you're showing in a very concrete way what it means to show learners their own potential. You've said very clearly that the purpose of Reconstruction is not to replace school, but do you see Reconstruction as an opportunity to help change what school is? I'm wondering about what are some ways that Reconstruction might influence school and vice versa? We are absolutely (laughs) setting an example and helping people reimagine school in some interesting ways. Um, First, there are lots of people who are looking for culturally relevant curricula. And we've gotten calls from teachers, schools, districts, publishers, in fact, uh, who want to buy our curriculum because they say they can't find people to write culturally responsive curriculum or content. And if I'm really honest, you can't find them because we haven't looked for them. We spent a few months frankly, um, using our networks and looking on YouTube to find the best Black teachers who were creating culturally relevant content. And we called them up and said, hey, would you come write for us? And over the course of about three months, we hired 30-something curriculum writers who wrote 100 courses for us in just a few months. And so I think we are helping to redefine the idea of who writes curriculum and what that curriculum could look like. Um, We've been asked about training teachers to think differently about Black history. And while that's not our core business, um, I sit in conversations with policymakers and folks who are thinking about this to help them understand what we've learned. I've been in a lot of conversations around tutoring. People find it interesting that we use tutoring as part of our model. And we're at a point where 
as people are looking for ways to supplement or to catch up what kids have lost during the global pandemic, tutoring is because of its efficacy in moving learning outcomes for kids. It's becoming a significant strategy in the rebuilding of education post-COVID. And so people are asking us, you know, how'd you find all of these tutors of color? We've been in lots of conversations where we're sharing what we've learned about how to do school differently. One of the pieces that have come out of this pandemic is that content is no longer the exclusive purview of schools. You can find content now everywhere, right? In organizations like Reconstruction or, you know, on Khan Academy or Beast Academy or Worldwide School, technology is democratizing content. And so parents can actually choose what content they want to expose their kids to. They've seen up close and personal what's happening in classrooms through Zoom, and they are making different choices for their young people. They're also choosing to focus on their kids' social and emotional health. And so what I think is going to happen is you're going to have an empowered consumer who is looking for new ways to provide educational services for their students. And I think that schools and school districts are looking for new ways to pull in supplemental providers like Reconstruction and others to help address all of the various needs that students and families are bringing to the table. How can parents and educators find out more about the work you're doing? They can go onto our website and check us out at reconstruction.us where they can learn about our programs. They can see the various courses that we have. We have academic courses. We have cultural courses. We've got a cooking course called Cooking for the Soul. We've got a coding course, Coding for the Culture. We've got design thinking courses. We've got uh, a step course. We've got Black Shakespeare. We have courses for kindergartners through 12th graders. And we're actually piloting some adult courses because many of our parents have said, wait, wait, I want to learn that. I didn't learn that in school. And I would love to be in a group of other adults discussing that book or talking about that part of history. We are designed for and target African-American students and families, but we're open to everybody because what we realize is there are people beyond African-Americans who want to learn this history and culture. We welcome everybody to come take some courses on Reconstruction. Again, that's reconstruction.us. Kaya, before we say goodbye, one last question, please. What's one thing parents and educators can do to make tomorrow a more promising place for our learners? I think parents and educators have to work together. We have to break down these silos where as educators, we say to parents, just drop your kids off in the first grade and we'll give them back at the end of 12th grade and they'll be okay. Parents are experts in their children and we need to recognize that and partner with them to co-create a different experience for our young people. I think everybody, I think educators are dissatisfied. I think parents are dissatisfied. Kids are dissatisfied. And the only way to move forward is to co-create a new reality in partnership with parents, students, and educators. Gaia, thank you. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org tomorrow.